You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Today's scripture is from Mark 12:41 to 44. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others, for they all gave out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Deb. You might be here this morning thinking, okay, finally we are done with the series um, about Think Biblically. We are done with the series about Abide. And wasn't that a helpful series, the Abide series? It was for me. Um, Yeah, it was really, really blessing. I loved hearing the testimonies and of what God's word is doing and has done in people's life. And so you're here thinking, what's next? And then you hear that passage. (laughs) And yes, we are going to spend three weeks covering and talking about our Grow Grace campaign. And we're not gonna do it talking about buildings that have to be built or barns that gotta be taken care of or campuses that need to be improved. Although every time we give and handle God's money the right way, those things are gonna get taken care of. And we are, as Dave said earlier, closing out uh, a very aggressive, very confident, very faith-driven, love-driven campaign to raise $2 million and try to do that in just 14 weeks. Um, But we don't measure the way God measures. What we want to look at is what God's word says about what we want to do with the resources that he's given to us and what that means for our heart. And that's what we're going to look at today and next, next week especially. If you want resources about finances and about money, there's a lot that you can go to and look at. Uh, the Bible's full of a lot of that. One person that has helped me understand biblically uh, about how to manage the resources, the finances God has given to us is a guy named Randy Alcorn. And Randy Alcorn has uh, several books, but here's three very, very small books that might help you. Uh, The first one, which kind of presents sort of a guidance to a philosophy of how we are to handle money is called The Treasure Principle. Look how thick that is. Um, I think y'all can handle that in an afternoon. Um, There's one called The Law of Rewards uh, that's a little thicker. Uh, And then there's one called Managing God's Money. Um, They're going to be up here on the the table. Uh, If you want to leave and come look at them or just go ahead now and Google them um, or shop at Amazon, that's, that's fine. You can do that. But very good and helpful biblical resources that have helped me. Um, we're going to learn several things from this text. Or what I want us to do is notice several things from this text that Deb read. And it's interesting to see what really is happening here. Knowing the background, knowing the scene and the setting of what's happening here is something that I think the Spirit wants us to understand. I think God wants to teach us and show us some important truths 
about ourselves when it comes to what we love and how we give. And so let's pray for that right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the ways that you are providing, not just for us, but for those brothers and sisters in Sudan, for those in India that I know several are praying for and partnering with, for our friends in Nepal. All over the world, Lord, you are not surprised at all by anybody's economy, by anybody's struggle with pandemics, by anybody's politics. Lord, you are sovereign. And so, Lord, we want to just submit ourselves to you in this moment that you would teach us and show us wonderful, beautiful things about you, about ourselves, so that on a topic like this, you will help us live with greater and greater joy. Help us, Lord, in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Talking about money and giving and expenses can be uncomfortable in the church, right? Yeah, some of you have already made plans. Okay, not going to community group this week. <laughs> not going to talk about that. Um, it's true that it is uncomfortable to do that in the church and we, for several reasons. One, we have, um, we, if we're honest, um, everyone seems to have an opinion how everyone else should spend their money. And, and so even if we don't feel like we have that, we, when it comes to money, we, we are sometimes thinking, well, they should do this and the church should do that and this person ought to be giving here and they're not, they're instead giving. We kind of have these opinions of how everyone else should be spending their money and that makes coming into this place thinking that way about other people, wondering if people are thinking that way about us, makes it a little awkward. Another reason why it may be awkward and uncomfortable talking about money is I believe most people really don't want to admit that they don't spend their money well. They don't steward and handle their money all that well. Or maybe they don't want to admit, if we're honest, that there's most of the time you're kind of wishing and you had more of it. Let's just get that out of the way. There is a reality that we struggle with that sometimes we don't feel like we're able to confess in the church that, yeah, there are times I wish I had more liquid, more money, more assets. I mean, that's a fleshly thing that we crave in this life. And for some reason, we don't want to, want to admit that to anybody else. Finally, I think another reason why it's uncomfortable to talk about money in the church is because it's something we can keep private. We would like to keep private. You might be here thinking, no one knows how I'm handling my money. No one knows who I'm giving to. No one knows what I'm spending on. So don't start poking. And church, don't start peeking in into something that God is allowing me to keep private. I think these are all reasons why it's awkward. I think another reason why it can be awkward to talk about money or uncomfortable is because we have seen and we watch, we can go 
leave right now, go home, turn on the television, and the abuses of authority figures with money, begging for money, pressuring money, shaming people to money, makes it feel like this is not a safe place to talk about money. Well, what we have here in this text is a beautiful picture of what God and how God and how in Christ Jesus we see an example. We see that some are given the appearance of being wealthy and some are given the appearance maybe of being poor. Maybe we've done that in our life where we've, we've sort of given the appearance that we have more than we do and sometimes we give the appearance that we don't have as much as we really have. And we come to this text and we see and notice several things. The first of all, first thing I want us to notice is we see that whether anyone else knows what you're doing, even if you don't really even know what you're doing, Jesus knows. First of all, he knows who is wealthy. Did you catch that? It says that many rich people put in large sums. So he's aware. He knows who is wealthy. Jesus knows our wealth. What is the most common response we have to someone who comes and approaches us for some extra money? Maybe they are somebody that's begging on the street and you see them. And before we answer them verbally, we've already played in our minds sort of the judge and the jury role of what they should be and should not be doing. And so when they ask us, hey, do you have any extra? What's one of the most common responses? Uh, Sorry, I, I don't have any extra. Now, we might have convinced that person. It's already awkward enough for them to ask. Maybe you wish it was more awkward for them to ask. But they put us in an awkward position. We tell them what we want them to believe in the moment. We don't know. I'm sorry, we don't have extra. And we use that line a lot, don't we? When the team mom comes and asks for a donation to buy the coach a gift. And instead of saying, I don't really like the coach, I don't like the treatment of what he's done to my child. Whatever, we say, ah, you know what? I don't really know how much extra we have to give. The local boys or girls clubs comes asking for donations for that year's activities. Ah, we don't really have, we already gave here and we don't have this. The neighbors want to raise money for a needy family. Whatever your answers might be, the truth is that the asker doesn't really know about your wealth. They really don't. They can assume, they could think, but here's the thing, God does know. He knows in this moment who are the rich people and he knows the rich people in what they're giving. He knows exactly what he has given to each and every one of us. He is not surprised You may tell the beggar, you may tell the person at the door, no, I don't have money. He knows what you have, what you don't have. He knows because it's his money. He knows because it's his money that we're holding on to. He knows because 
It's his money that he's given to us to steward well. Where do you get that idea, Jason? Well, there's tons of passages and tons of evidences from Scripture. If we want to think biblically about money, we could spend a whole lot of time on that. But here's just a few. NIV translation, Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It means everything in your pocket, everything in your bank account, everything in it. The world and all who live in it are his. Haggai, chapter 2, you probably don't quote much Haggai in your house. Lord says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. You might be here today and you might say, but I earned this. I worked for this. I'm the one that strived for this. I'm the one that produced this. I'm the one that created this or that, that earned this. Well, Deuteronomy 8, we see, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you the ability to produce wealth. 1 Samuel 2, 7, the Lord makes poor and the Lord makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. He knows. He knows who's going to those boxes and giving. He knows their wealth. Way more could be said here about this. But the point I want us to make out and understand here and see is that Jesus sees our wealth and he knows our wealth. There is no hiding from him. You may hide from Somebody that's on the building committee and go, okay, I got to see them coming. I wanna, don't want them to ask me. I'm going to go this way. You may want to hide from the person coming to your door, but God knows. We see here also that he knows who is poor. Jesus knows who is poor. It says, and a poor widow came and put in two copper coins, which make a penny. I'm sure that there's a large percentage, percentage of us here that have thought at one time in our lives that we were poor. You know, mixing that combination of ramen noodles with cheese Whiz, because there's nothing else in the fridge. I invented that, that was great invention. I loved that meal in college, because it's cheap, and I don't know how old the cheese Whiz was, I didn't care. Because I told people I was poor. How do we measure whether we're rich or poor? If we're honest, we can measure it most often. We often most measure it by talking about what we've given up to gain this. For example, oh, I'm so poor. I have to give up that three-bedroom loft for a two-bedroom apartment so I can afford tuition. We may say things like, I'm so poor because, because I have to give up my entertainment budget or I have to not buy this, which these people have, so that I can get to and from work in a car that's dependable. We measure whether we're poor or not sometimes, if we're really honest, by comparing ourselves to those that we think have more than us. Oh, man, compared to them, I'm, I'm poor. But we really don't know, a lot of us, if we're honest, what poverty is. Some do. God always does. He knows, Jesus knows who is wealthy here. He knows who is poor here. It says here that he sees many rich people and he sees a poor widow. He didn't interview them. He didn't say, hey, why don't you, before you give, let me get a report. 
How are things going in your life? He didn't get over to them and sniff them. Ooh, fancy perfume on this person. He didn't say, show me the Ralph Lauren versus the knockoff brand that you're wearing as you put things in the butt. No, he knew them. And we cannot claim to God that I am poor and I don't have enough like we can to the person asking us for money. Because he knows. He knows where you're wealthy. He knows where you're lacking. The other thing we see here is not only that he knows who is wealthy and he knows who is poor, we also see that he knows what we give. You're like, okay, Jason, it's enough. Why are we giving God so much authority and sovereignty? (laughs) Well, we don't give him anything. This is who he is. It says here that the many rich people gave large sums. The poor woman gave two small copper coins, which is just under half a cent each. Jesus does know, and there's no reason for us to hide and be sneaky when it comes to our relationship with God about what we give. Now, it could be that the rich people here were parading around. Look how much I'm giving. And the currency back then, maybe there's some things written on paper, like our dollar bills or something, and you don't really hear it clanging around. So they have to parade it around, maybe. I'm sure there were some doing that. The text we're going to look at in a minute right above that kind of indicates that there's somebody parading around like this. And it could be that the poor widow here was walking in such a way of humility and embarrassed as she sort of sneakily, shyly placed her two coins in the box and he heard them. No matter how we give, no matter what we give, Jesus knows what we give. You can tell us, you can tell each other whatever you want to tell. Jesus knows. We see that very clearly. Many rich people get put in large sums, and a poor widow came in and put two small copper cones. Jesus knows about our finances. He knows about what we're giving. The other thing I want us to understand is not just what Jesus knows, Jesus is interested in this. This is fascinating. Verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. There's not many places in the Gospels where it talks about Jesus going, sitting down, and just watching people. Jesus literally goes across the corridor corridor, and watches people putting stuff in boxes. Like, wait, okay, I'm already uncomfortable that Jesus knows about this. I'm already uncomfortable that he knows how much I give. Now, Jason, you're making me really uncomfortable that Jesus actually is interested and, and wants to watch this. The corridor of the temple about this time, there were about 13 boxes that were spread around the place. And so the idea here is that Jesus actually positioned himself well to be able to watch all of them. To watch, and as we've learned here from this text, and measure. 
What if someone did this today? What if the physical presence of God and Jesus came in and he just sort of stood back there. We have two boxes on the wall and he just kind of stood there in the middle going, wait, wait can you get out of the way? I'm wanting to see what, what Ralph's given there. Wait, can you get out of the way? Sandra's about to put something in. I want to, we have this big portrait of Jesus's face. Somebody donated to church right back here and I thought, man, it'd be interesting just to put it on the back wall and just see what that does. That's what he's doing. Two different trips I went to Iran. The first trip, it was shocking. It took me a couple days to actually ask this question. But what I noticed, and all every, I don't know if you've been there, but as you're driving down the freeze or whatever, you see billboards. In our country, we have billboards that have advertisements on it. And there, there's, a, there's some of those. But a lot of the billboards have the Atolas looking down. And I'm like, and finally I asked, and, and they say, well, it, it is what it you think it is. It's a reminder. You're being watched. You're, you're seeing. We're overseeing you. It didn't bring me any joy. I asked him. I said, does it bring you a lot of joy? We had to wait to get out of the van because our van was being bugged. And he had to say, no, it's miserable. Everywhere I go, I'm seeing these things. That's not what Jesus is doing here. He's interested and he's intrigued. He's not lording over, but he's really interesting. We're going to learn why he's so interested in just a second. But we need to know that, that he knows and that he's interested. What we're seeing here also that Jesus not only knows what we give, he actually does measure what we give. He's measuring what is good and what is great. Verse 43, calls the disciples to him and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this widow has put in more measure then all those who contributed to the offering box, where they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty and, and has put in everything that she had, all that she had to live on. Now, we need to understand here, there is no record of Jesus shaming the rich people for what they gave. We don't see him doing that. That's good news if you consider yourself wealthy and you are giving a lot of money out of your wealth, Jesus isn't saying, shame on you, go back, take your money with you. No, it's, it's like, okay, I'm interested, that's, that's good. He doesn't say it's good, but he doesn't say it's bad. But what he does do is he highlights the difference between a good gift and a great gift. Church, I make it a concentrated effort and point to never know who gives what in the church. I don't know unless you tell me that you gave. And if you start to tell me, I'm going to be, ah, la, 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 la. I don't want to know. Now, I do this for a couple of obvious reasons. One, I don't trust my own heart. And I don't want my relationship and my shepherding calling over your heart and your life to ever be manipulated or gauged by what you give or don't give. So I don't know. We have people that count. We have a few people that know because we have to have somebody make deposits, do all that. I don't know. The other reason why we don't is I, I don't trust your heart. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> but I don't 
I don't, I don't want us to lead toward any kind of unhealthy maneuvering in the church. And so I don't want to spend time knowing and measuring what you give or don't give. Jesus did. Jesus does. I don't need to know it. But Jesus does know this. These, these are all the things we just need to draw out from here as we're thinking about this campaign and thinking about future giving. Think about You may leave here and go somewhere else. There may be people asking you to give to this, give to that. Just know in this context, we learn several things. Jesus knows, Jesus is interested, and Jesus measures. But we also see here that Jesus celebrates. What is he celebrating? He's celebrating faith and what we're going to learn in a minute, he's celebrating faith that's fueled by love. Verse 43, what he's doing here, I just love the image here. He called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, this widow is put. He says, hey, come here, come here. Oh, Jesus wants us. Okay, let's, let's get over and see what he just, he just was doing this, he was just doing this, and now he's sitting down, he's watching people. I don't know, it's kind of weird. I feel uncomfortable watching people. Okay, maybe he's gonna tell us not to watch people. What does he do? Hey, watch these people. Look at her. This is a celebration where no one else would ever notice her. Jesus says, I notice her. I want y'all to notice her. Not because she gave a million dollars. Because she gave, in Christ's eyes, more than that. She gave something very costly. I'm celebrating her faith. I'm celebrating her faith that comes from love. Why is Jesus celebrating this? Why is he so interested in this? Why is he watching all of this? Why is the Son of God taking this time of all the things he could be doing. I know what you're saying if you're a skeptic. Like, shouldn't Jesus be going out there and healing people? Shouldn't he be fixing this and this? Why is he taking the time and showing so much interest in this routine practice of giving to an offering box? Why does he measure the difference between what is a good gift and a great gift? Why is the creator and the founder of all things celebrating this little act of faith? I think the reason is what we see here in the book of Mark, especially in this chapter, is that Jesus cares about what we love. I want you to look with me in this chapter. If you have a copy of scripture, or if you don't, there's a pew Bible right in front of you, or I'm sure you have a phone and you can look it up. But I would like you to look with me in um, Mark chapter 12. And what we see here in Mark chapter 12, just going to give you kind of a little lead up to what has happened leading up to these verses 41 through 44. And I want you to look with me and, and see what's being highlighted here. First of all, in verses 13 through 17. I'm going to read through some of this. I'm going to skim, kind of jump through passages. But what we see here in your little Heading there, it says, paying taxes to Caesar. It says, verse 13, 
And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay, to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Verse 15 says, Knowing, knowing their hypocrisy, he says to them, why do you put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought him one. He said to them, whose likeness inscription is on it? He said to them, they said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar's the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. You can remember that story. What happens next in verse 18, the Sadducees, which is another religious group and sect, came up to him. And they start asking him about the resurrection. The story, if you're familiar with it, is they sort of put him to this test. Okay, there's this guy that was married. He dies. And then a brother takes over and he marries her. And goes through the cycle of these different brothers who were taken care of and marrying and remarrying and marrying over again this one widow. And so the question is, okay, when they get to heaven, who she belong to? Okay, Jesus confronts that, answers them, and says, you're missing the whole point. I'm just summarizing there. You can read it later. You're missing it. You're just have no clue what you're asking. Then we have in verse 28, one of the scribes came up and heard him disputing with another and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which, is command, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord of God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. They agreed, they affirmed, they were in awe. They dared not ask him any other questions. And then we have verse 38 which is the passage right before our main passage today, says that in his teaching, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greeting in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the best, the places of honor at feast. Verse 40, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense, make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. And then we have this context of, um, then we have this passage of Jesus celebrating the giving of this poor widow. Why do we do all that? Why do we look at all that? We see Jesus experiencing from these well-to-do religious people, the way they're coming at him, it's exposing what they really care about. But what we see Jesus highlighting here is that love gives. This is important. Jesus is interested. He's watching. He's measuring because ultimately what he's measuring is what or who do you Love, because you're going to give to what you love. 
You're going to give to what you love. Love gives. So think about this, the storylines, the ones asking him about paying a tax. The approach, and we know something about these people, the Pharisees at this time, they, what they love is they love being over people. They love the feeling of superiority. So what do you give to people to support what you love? If you love being over people and superior to people, you give them test. I'm going to give you something that you'll never be able to reach. I'm going to ask you a question that you can't possibly get right because we know the answers. So why am I doing this to you? I'm giving this to you, Jesus, because we love to be on top. I'm giving you this. The Sadducees who asked him and questioned him about the widow's life and the different brothers, what do they love? Are they they really loving the widow? No. They love their knowledge. They love their own intellect. What do they give? They want to give doctrine without compassion. We say we love you, but here's really what we love. We love how smart we are about you. And so what we're going to give to people is important doctrines and commands without compassion for them. Then we have the scribes where it says, beware of the scribes. What do they love? Well, they love the self-promoting practices that they do. These are like religious peacocks running around. Look at us. Look how great we are. What do they give? They give oppression to others so that they can stay looking good. So Jesus highlights right in the middle of this, what's most important is what you love. Hear me. I want you to hear me, people. It's most important is that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. And then they kind of break away, and as he's watching, he pulls his disciples in. Hey, come here, come here, come here. This is what I'm talking about. This is it. Why am I interested? Why am I celebrating this? Because I want you all to see this. This is true love. This is somebody that's loved. This is a widow who should be receiving all of these benefits and offerings. And she loves me so much. She has so much faith in me that she's giving everything she has. Disciples, love gives. That's, that's what it looks like to love. Love gives. I love that Jesus is highlighting this gift. I think one of the reasons why he loves it because I think the widow gave this way with joy because it was something she was giving on her own. No one was taking it from her. We just saw up above the scribes probably already took enough from her. No, this was generous, loving giving in freedom. No one's taking it from her. No one's coercing her, shaming her. I'm giving everything that I have on my own accord because I can and no one's making me do it. I want to give it. I want to give it. Love gives. Jesus knows and he's celebrating, bringing disciples in, saying, look at what she's doing. 
Watch this. I want you to celebrate it. Why? Because love gives. And what you're seeing now is going to happen very soon in my life. This event is just three days before Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus says, love gives. What you're about to see is not going to make sense to you any more than looking at a widow who doesn't have anything, give everything she's got. That doesn't make sense. There may be many of you saying, why is she doing that? That's stupid. That's foolish. She needs to hold on to that. She needs to kind of be waiting. Okay, I'm here. Y'all need, in fact, let's be honest. There probably are many of us that would have strategized, we need to put the widow beside the box. And just be there. You're going to give? The temple tax used to be for raising money to build the temple. And then once they got the temple built, the money was given to widows and the poor. That's not what Jesus celebrates. He celebrates that she gave her all because love gives. And Jesus loves us. And this happens three days before what he said in John 10, 18 becomes a reality. In John 10, he says, no one takes my life from me. I give it. I lay it down on my own accord. In Hebrews, we read that it says, for the joy that was before him, Christ endured the cross. Why or how can anybody with joy go to the cross, pursue the cross? It's the same reason that the widow couldn't wait to get to the temple to the box. Because I love. Jesus, in his joy, endured the cross because he loves you. The widow loves God, loves to give, wants to help, wants to be a part, so she gives in love. So what I want to ask you is if I haven't made you uncomfortable enough, are you, are you wealthy? I'm asking you not to answer that question to me. I'm asking you not that you would turn to the person next to you and say, do you think I'm wealthy? I'm asking you so that you would go and ask God. God, am am I a wealthy person? Let him answer that for you. Let him direct your heart. Ask him, "Am am I wealthy? Am I giving whether it be to grow grace or anything else, am I giving just out of my abundance? And what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, am I giving so much that I can still keep a good, wonderful abundance? Am I giving so that it doesn't make me uncomfortable? And it's not just about grow grace, it's about anything in life, who you give to and what you're giving to. Is that you? It's a good gift. We're thankful, God's thankful, but ask him. God, in your eyes, not in the eyes of Forbes magazine, am I wealthy? Am I giving joyfully and sacrificially like this widow? Ask him, Lord, am I I poor? 
no matter what anybody around me feels, no matter what they do, am I giving sacrificially? The reality is love gives. The reality is Jesus knows, he measures, he's interested, not because he cares how much is in your pockets and what you're doing. It's because he knows what giving sacrificially is and how much joy you can have. Next week, we're going to look at sort of the, the other side of somebody who did not give and they went away miserable. The calling is, ask the Lord today, do I love you? With all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, all my mind, do I love my neighbors? Do I love them as much as I love myself? Do I want to provide for them as much as I want you to provide for me, God? Let's pray. Father, it is my prayer, my desire, that you would help me every day, every week, every year of my life taste you see you that I would behold you oh God and that I would ask oh God is my life displaying how much I love you So much to the point, Lord, are other people questioning the risk that I'm taking? So much, Lord, am I loving you with my actions and loving my neighbor so much that people are thinking I'm losing my mind? Father, show me. Show all of us what we need to be doing in our lives to present ourselves to you so that we can taste and see how beautiful you are, that we, like you did for us, would lovingly give you everything we have. You are better. You are grander. You are glorious. Oh, God, help us see it. Help us believe it. Help us go hard after you. Not because you're watching us, but because you love us. And you're cheering for us and you're celebrating us when we give and love back. Help us, O Lord, adjust our hearts to you so that we can sing of your praise on a Monday through Sunday.